The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to your Friday Rugby Weekly pod on Rugby World Cup final weekend. Kieran Kennedy here and I'm joined on the line by the 42's Murray Kinsley. Murray, I'm still devastated to be back home in Ireland and not in our lovely little apartment in Paris. I'm missing the cafes, <laughs> I miss the crepes, I miss the crack. How, how has your last week in Paris been? Well, it's been amazing. Any week in Paris is amazing. It's just a spectacular city. And the longer you spend here, the more you realise how wonderful and intoxicating and wild and chaotic a place it is and beautiful too. And that's just because I'm in Paris. Honestly, you wouldn't really know there's going to be a World Cup final tomorrow. And that's often the case in, in Paris with big games because it's such a sprawling city and there's so much going on. But really, because France are out, the interest has has dipped away quite drastically. So... You're not missing that major buzz of the tournament, but you are missing uh, an amazing place. And there are very few of us. There's only th- three Irish journalists left now. Obviously, loads of English. The Kiwis are here. One Aussie as well. So it's been a little bit more international in its flavour uh, off the pitch as well. So having a great time, but really, I'm th- genuinely buzzing for the, the game itself. But I don't think many people in Paris aside from those who are now arriving in for the weekend, really are. Yeah, so so the big one is tomorrow night at the Stade de France. Obviously, it's South Africa against New Zealand. It's not the final Irish rugby supporters wanted, but the closer it gets, as you say, I can begin to accept that this is an absolute blockbuster of a final. And I think there's only one place to start, really, and that's the South Africa team. I don't think anybody saw this coming, but they've only bloody gone and done it again. The Springboks going for... A 7-1 bench split in a World Cup final, which I have to admit, I just laughed when I saw the team sheet. I mean, the balls on these lads. Were, were you as surprised as I was when the team was announced? And how are you feeling about it? Because I'm kind of struggling to look past just how massive the risk is. Well, I was as surprised as anyone. I, I think we'd all thought we figured them out finally. And then, you know, the expected changes to the team were Pollard and Declerc coming back in. Of course that happened. But I don't think anyone thought they would revisit this again because they did the 7-1 against Ireland. It didn't really have a great impact. And I think Ireland's traditional 5-3 actually had a bigger impact on that game. And you thought they were kind of done with the the trial, the experiment. But for the biggest game of all, they back their biggest strengths of all, which is loads of really tough, hard, physical and smart forwards. And they've got a hell of a lot of them in the squad. Of course, it's a major risk. Cheson Colby is going to cover scrum half and he was talking about that today he did it in sevens he's actually done it for the Springboks before in 2021 most recently against Argentina but obviously he's not a scrum half and if Faftaclerc gets injured early in the game it'll be a, a big shift for them I actually don't think it'll be a big disaster even if that does happen they're unbelievably adaptable and resilient I can actually imagine, imagine Ches and Colby doing a big a pretty good job in, in at scrum half but it just means you have to reshuffle everything and if there's two injuries in the back line well that's where it starts to get really tricky with Quagga Smith coming into midfield probably and everyone else shuffling around but I think they are more than comfortable with that element of risk yes it, it could be decisive even if Colby goes to nine and, and he makes a mistake or makes an error or they can't kick from a place they would generally kick with, with Faf it'll be tricky but they just look at the upside of this and the upside is that nuclear bomb squad all that power 
the likes of Oxenshay who changed the game in the semi-final last weekend Orgy Snyman with his monster buddy Jean Klein and what a story for him to be involved in a World Cup final the fact that you have Quagga Smith and Jasper Visa and Dion Forey potentially to come on the back row if Bongi can go another 80 again it's for them it's a thrill to, to think of that muscle and, and it worked really well the last time they played the All Blacks it was a bit of a weird game let's be honest because the All Blacks had just arrived a few days before into London they were clearly quite sleepy in that game there was a red card and the circumstances probably suited it but it was quite awesome in how it worked the starting pack battered the All Blacks and then the, the second pack came on and did exactly the same and scored a mall try and had some huge moments so if it can get to that level potentially it wins in the game but you are right. It comes with a, a great risk and it just sums up the Rassi Erasmus reign. Surprises, innovation, daring and, and bravery, I guess, with a lot of things. But it's easier to be brave when you've got some seriously big lumps to, to put on your bench, seven of them in, in this case. And it really underlines what they're going to try and do. The famous phrase is, let's fuck them up physically. There's a great compilation of Rassi. Uh, saying that going around at the moment on social media and it, and he, he, he constantly says and that's what they're going to gonna try and do with some of the nows and with some of the smarts and and the game understanding that they also have as well. We should, we should acknowledge that, but it's going to be a physical, physical test for the Kiwis. Yeah, and it's just going to be so fascinating to see how that plays out when the stakes are so high. And of course, the other surprise that came as a result of that Seven month split is no Manny Libbock in the twenty three. He he started the quarter final and the semi final. Obviously, he's hooked after just half an hour against England last week, and now he misses out completely with Andre Pollard named at ten. And maybe it shouldn't surprise us at this stage because, as you say, you know the Springboks. He just can never figure them out. But it is another reminder that Razzie Erasmus and Jack Nienabar they just never shy away from making these big calls. And they've got the adaptability of Damon Damien Villemsa being able to play ten. Philly LaRue could even go there if there was a, a string of injuries, but they have enough flexibility in their team and Libox played his part and he, he did well against Scotland, he did well against France, I thought, in, in how he started that game and played the first half but, I mean, Nina, Nina Burr said, I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he kind of said, listen, Pollard was injured, that's why Manny Libox was playing. He's their second choice out half and, and he can't argue because Pollard has done the business hasn't he since he come back kicking 100% being really calm and composed especially in the tough conditions nailing match winning moments off the, the tee and actually making his tackles and, and throwing a few passes as well he's not completely deficient in those areas even if Libok is a better passer for, for example but Pollard's been really good and him and Faf de Klerk become the most capped Springbok halfback pairing in history now with the, with their 25th test together which is phenomenal and all that experience in the team it's really ridiculous on, on both sides it's a new South African record of 987 caps in their starting team and most of them were involved in 2019 in, in the victory the Kiwis have just a, a few caps less than that and they have guys who survived from the 2015 World Cup final win and even Sam Whitelock from the 2011 World Cup final win so it really is two teams dripping with experience, with world-class ability, with some seriously smart coaches behind them as well. And yeah, the, the fact that guys who've done a really decent job in this World Cup are, are missing out says a lot about the two squads. The 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundee Motors, Ireland's favourite and number one car site with the largest range of premium cars in the country, including brand new cars, electric cars and premium used. So what about New Zealand then? No major bombshells in their team announcement just the one change from the semi-final which is 
Brody Vitalik coming into the second row as Sam Whitelock drops to the bench. You've been out at boat camps this week. What is your sense of how New Zealand are feeling ahead of this final? Because unusually for an all-black side, I think that before the tournament kicked off, there weren't too many people tipping them to get this far. I remember the bookies were, and some I had a few emails from people saying, "Don't sleep on the Kiwis," because in World Cups they come good, and that's what happened has happened with this team. And yet, their route to this final has been so different from South Africa's, which actually maybe gives them that advantage in terms of the mental and the physical freshness. You think they only really had to go, and they went to a crazy level against Ireland, but that was kind of it for for those massive performances where South Africa got beaten by Ireland in the pool. That was a huge battle. Their quarterfinal was obviously a, a huge battle. And last weekend was a, another massive battle. So it's been a trickier path and a more demanding path. And yet the Kiwis deserve credit for for coming good. They're staying out in a place called the Paris Country Club this week. And it's exactly how it sounds. It's absolutely spectacular. All the good and great and, and rich of Paris there playing tennis with their kids and sipping on afternoon tea and eating little bits of beautiful French food and the Kiwis look very much at home there and very comfortable and very confident as well. They've got their own nickname now for their their bench. It's the Easy Company from um, Band of Brothers, which Dalton Papali revealed that they've been watching and, and they've given themselves that little nickname. And they've got a settled team with, again, loads of guys who are playing excellent rugby at the moment. Sam Kane really looking in the form of his career. Jordy Barrett, gone to a new level since he moved to 12. Richie Moonga, I think, actually hasn't really got the kudos he's deserved in, in this World Cup because you, you think back to last year, the, the Ireland series, he was on the bench for all three tests. He wasn't there starting out half. Bowden Barrett was playing there. And even though we always knew he was a brilliant rugby player and really exciting, Moonga had never really grabbed hold of the jersey to be a dominant force in test level. And I think he's he's kind of doing that now. Aaron Smith is still playing out of his skin. And, and quite a few of these guys are at the end of their all-backs careers but but playing excellent rugby so they've got loads of their own weapons they've got their own distinct identity and that's also what makes it really intriguing is that both these teams I, you know they embody the classic um, stereotypes is the wrong word but the classic characteristics of their of their nations the Kiwis utterly ruthless on turnover ball they have been all tournament they've They've been ruthless with their chances in the 22. They've been skillful. Their catch pass is beautiful. And they've also added that layer of physicality to, say, the game against Ireland where they where they just battered the Irish at times. It was it was genuinely eye-opening. So, yeah, absolutely impressed with with their, um, their confidence and their calm. And Joe Schmidt is having a major influence behind the scenes and very much behind the scenes. He hasn't emerged from the shadows at all this week. The box have been staying out in a place called which is about 45 minutes north of Paris, even longer actually. I think you were out there a couple of times as well, Kieron. And they've been happy to be out of the, the limelight there. Uh, they recognise that the Irish journalists were hanging around. They put up Jean Klein on Monday and they put up Felix Jones later in the week. So we were able to chat to those guys, which was outstanding. But no Razzy Erasmus. He, he stayed in the shadows just like Joe Schmidt. And, and I thought he would be out early in the week. But given all that was happening with Bongi and Banambi and Tom Curry and the review into that, it was probably smart to to stay in the background. And really, he didn't have to stoke any flames because that was ongoing. And you can see already, he's put it as the header image on his Twitter profile. Clearly, they've used this to further accentuate that mentality of us against the world and everyone's trying to ruin this for us. And and he's been a master of that. And this one just got handed to him, I suppose, uh, after last weekend's game. So, yeah, they'll, 
even though they've had a tough build up, you just know that they're going to pitch up again. And maybe in the last few minutes, it'll tell that that they haven't they've had to had to go to the emotional well so much. But I think we'll see another ferocious performance from them. So both camps really calm, collected, and confident. Yeah, it does always feel like South Africa are at their most dangerous when they do have that chip on the shoulder. But but what do New Zealand need to do to win here? Would a repeat of the Ireland performance see them through or do they need to hit another level again to get past this Springbok side? Because it's a different type of challenge, obviously. I think something similar in terms of the the level of that performance w- would do. You know, like Ireland beat the Springboks and we said loads of times that those four teams were really close and in credit to the All Blacks, they they got to a new level for themselves against Ireland and, and yeah, they'll absolutely be looking for something similar and it helps that they didn't have to go there against Argentina. It was a really facile win and I don't want to talk down their performance I thought the All Blacks did a lot of good things but they weren't at their best they were able to take guys off in the last quarter and rest them and that was ideal but they know that they have the the performance level they've done it against the Springboks as well in 2022 wasn't it when they went over to Johannesburg and they produced an astounding performance and and I know we were talking about that Ian Foster said that was the best performance of, of his era rather than the Ireland game in the quarterfinal and they know they can they can do it. They know they've got World Cup history, and that's both nations are fighting for their fourth title, and it it shows they they get a lot of kind of residual confidence from that. They whereas Irish teams maybe in the past have known they've not done it in a World Cup. These teams know that their nations are are brilliant on these occasions, and and that they'll pitch up. So I yeah I I I struggle to call it because I actually think both teams will play really really well. I I think the occasion will bring out better in them and it'll be tricky there's there's rain forecast for for just before or just kind of at the start of the game and that could make it tricky and that could bring an error that that produces a try but i fully expect both teams to be excellent yeah i'm leaning towards new zealand myself but i found myself changing my mind every couple of hours really as the week has gone on Um, there is another game on tonight of course and it's the game that nobody really wants to be in, but the third place playoff will be contested by England and Argentina. And again, I think if you told either of these teams before the tournament that they'd finish third, they'd be fairly happy with it. For England, it's kind of the end of an era. Courtly Laws is retiring from international rugby. Ben Youngs is also moving on after tonight, and you'd suspect there might be one or two others following them out the door too. Look, we didn't expect much from England in this World Cup, but they'll be heading home feeling like they're in a pretty good position, particularly if they can secure a third place tonight and go home on a bit of a high. Yeah, absolutely. It would, it would be that. Because like, if we're really honest, and if they're really honest with themselves, yeah, like on results, that would be a, a good World Cup campaign. But they had some poor performances in there, even with a really comparatively easy route to the, the final. They didn't play brilliantly at times against teams that they, they did beat and were expected, of course, to beat and were strong favourites for. So... There's a lot of work still to do there, but you're right. They will go home really happy if they can get it across the line tonight. And Argentina have a chance to save some face. And they've also got some very experienced guys who will be hanging up their boots from, from Test Rugby. But it really is a deeply unappealing game, I have to say. I think they should, I don't know, maybe maybe fans will, will love it and, and enjoy being there. Maybe the players at January up for it. I, I don't know how you would get up for it after the disappointment of losing a, a semi-final and... I think they should just do away with this game if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think that's enough on the third, fourth playoffs to be honest because I feel the exact same way about it. Look, before we finish up, we will take a look a little bit closer to home because it's been a significant couple of days for Bundy Aki. This morning it was announced that Aki has signed 
an extension to his IRFU contract, which would keep him at Connacht until 2025, which is great news in itself. And that news came about 24 hours after he was announced as being on the four-man shortlist alongside Antoine Dupont, Ibn Etzebeth and Ardi Savea for the World Rugby Men's Player of the Year Award. Deserved recognition for probably Ireland's standout player at the World Cup. Absolutely. He had a phenomenal World Cup. Five tries in five games. He's the top ball carrier still with 81 and, and next place is 60, I think, at the moment. And some of those guys have obviously played a semi-final. He was effective with every touch. He looked in the best shape physically of, of his life, I think. And he spoke about 2019. He got, he got too skinny, as he called it. He, his body fat was really low and he didn't feel energetic. He didn't feel himself. He, and he's been so explosive, so quick in this World Cup, defending really well organising well, passing well, doing everything really well. And it's all the more impressive when you think of where 2023 started for Bundyaki out of the Connacht team for a run of games. It was that strange time where all wasn't well. Himself and Andy Friend weren't quite seeing eye to eye. Andy Friend thought he should have been fitter. Bondiaki thought he should have been picked in the team. There was even a bit of chat that he might leave Connacht, if, you, if people remember. And, and it was only really rumour and they managed to patch all that up. But it just shows how things can, can turn around in a relatively short space of time. He had three months in in this preseason um, to, to get into that best nick of his life and it just shows the the value of of putting that down. And yeah, he's in a pretty esteemed company. He's an outsider, of course, for that, for that award. If we're being honest, Antoine Dupont is the best player in the world, but they didn't win the Six Nations. They didn't win the World Cup. And you'd imagine that it'll be either Etzebeth or Sevea based on the final. Both of them have been amazing and, and so has Bondiaki. But I think it'll be... Save if the All Blacks win and, and Etzebeth if, if the box win but what an amazing turnaround in this year and even for a guy who was in his early 20s working in a bank he'd kind of given up on rugby he was playing a bit of club club rugby and, and he was just too good to let slip away and uh, he went through Ca- Counties Manukau and and the Chiefs of course and he can't have imagined that it would work out this well coming to Ireland you know, he he won his 50th capture in this World Cup and he said that was, even when he arrived and, and Ireland prospects were looking likely, he never could have imagined that. So you saw his devastation at the final whistle. I think he looked to be almost the most devastated of anyone because he'd given everything himself, everything of himself into this World Cup. But a just reward for a player who's 33. And I, I laughed kind of looking at some of the stuff afterwards, people saying anyone who's over 32, you know, let's move them on, that kind of thing. It always happens after every campaign, even successful ones. But 33 in the best condition of your life, you're you're more than capable of playing on. And, and he's going to be really important with his experience and with his, his sheer form and the energy he gives to the group over the next couple of years, as are a couple of other guys who are in that age bracket as well. So... You're right, an amazing couple of days for him and he'll be at the awards night, I'm sure, and on Sunday and, and enjoying himself and getting a breather from it all. But before long, he's going to be back at the sports ground screaming at his teammates, screaming at everyone else on the opposition team and, and providing us with a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a great story and you're dead right. My expectation will be that tomorrow's final will probably decide the winner of that award, but mm. fingers crossed for Bundy. Um yeah, nice one. You're on the home stretch now, but I presume you've another busy night ahead. Yeah, nearly there. It's amazing. Like to think on Monday I fly home after seven, eight weeks of being consumed and utterly obsessed and working every hour under the sun on rugby. And it'd be nice to get a little bit of a a breather. But I'm already kind of glancing back to what's going on and the team news from the provinces and realizing that there's amazing stuff around the corner. Even the, the European matches where Leinster are going to play La Rochelle 
it's only in a couple of weeks really and, and that's really exciting but an amazing game to finish it all tomorrow night and uh, then the awards on Sunday there'll be plenty of stuff to, to read across the 42 of course um, but it's been a, a hell of a journey it's been amazing I thought Johnny Sexton did a good job in his retirement statement of, of kind of summing up we won uh, sorry we lost but we won and and that was a night it was really well put together actually to be, to be fair to him he's a better writer than me Um he kind of summed up a lot of people's feelings about it. They didn't win the quarterfinal. They were clearly one of the best four teams in the World Cup for the first time ever. That game could have gone their way. But just because they didn't win doesn't take away some of the amazing stuff we saw. We were so lucky to be there, Kieran. I, I really am, feel privileged to have been there on those nights with Zombie in Bordeaux, in Nantes, in Paris. It was an incredible experience and, and one I'll definitely never forget. So here's hoping tomorrow night lives up to the billing. I think it will. I think it'll be an amazing way to finish what have been an amazing couple of months. Great stuff. Enjoy it. Look, that is it for us for today. Myself and Murray will be back with a post-match reaction podcast after the final tomorrow night. So we will chat to you then. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Driver's got names to fill two double barrels. He spits out bricks out, only smokes carols.